15, verse 35. Let's pray and we'll get started. Lord, thank you so much for uh, each person here, um, health to be able to be here, um, a body like this of uh, fellowship, um, barbecue, being able to hang out together, God. We're just so thankful for all that you've given us, Lord, um, and just, we're just full. We're thankful. And so, God, we pray that you would uh, speak to us in this time, give us ears to hear and eyes to see, um, that you direct us by your spirit, that you'd speak to us in a way that we need to hear it, words of encouragement, words of, of correction, words of, um, I don't know, whatever it is that we need that would be fitting and it would be um, done by you and, and we'd all leave encouraged and, and more stoked on following you. So we pray that you would just bless this time and, and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, like I said, this is our fourth week going through uh, this chapter, but it's so good because it's dealing with the resurrection and the hope of the resurrection. And our hope is, is solely found in the resurrection of Jesus. And Paul said it again and again. If, you, if, if, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we're of men to be most pitied, right? Or if, if he didn't rise, then we should eat and drink, be merry, you know, get whatever joy you can out of life, because tomorrow we die. There's no point. If there's no purpose, there's no point. Uh, if Jesus didn't die and rise from the dead, then the, all the things we're doing are futile. And he even said, like, then even my, like, life of pain has been for nothing. Like, why would I put myself up against that? But the dead do rise. Jesus did rise. And so he dealt with the fact that Jesus rose and gave this really great apologetic uh, answer, response, uh, lays the whole thing out, you know, seen by the, the apostle, seen by over 500, seen by himself. And, and all of those who are many of which were alive to, to the day, to that day. And, and, and he lays all of that out. And then he, he was dealing with the fact that the Corinthian Christians believed somewhat, someone believed that Jesus rose from the dead, but they didn't believe they would rise from the dead. And, and we talked about how culture can come in and seep in and, and rip us off from authentic, real Christianity, right? Because we, we can let, let it seep in and think that we think it has to fit with everything that's around us. And the fact of the matter is it does not fit, but it stands the test of time. And the more you let the world seep in, the more you lose your joy, you start straddling the fence. And that's not a fun situation, right? And so we get to see how, how important it is that we understand the resurrection for ourselves. Sometimes it's easy to get into a place where you, you look at people and you go, oh, well, you know, just do a couple things and, you know, a little bit of willpower and, and you know, your life could change. But that's not what it is. We need a, to be born again. In Jesus. And so that's what the resurrection is all about. That's where our hope lies, is in being born again, made new, and then to know that, that this end is not the end. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that. Paul's kind of answering their questions moving forward, knowing some of the questions that they had, dealing with some of their issues. And again, Paul sometimes seems harsh, but it's because he loves this church. He spent a year and a half with them. He was, you know, saw God do some crazy stuff in a place he least expected it. Remember, Corinth was a mess. They were, it's like, there's no way this is going to work. And if you remember in Acts, Paul said, Acts 18, I believe, Paul said, or God said, don't worry, 
I've got people in the city. Like, I've got you, Paul. And, and so this is those believers. But yet, even though God had done an amazing work, it took care to keep it going the right direction, right? Doesn't your relationship with the Lord take care? We all have this beautiful testimony of how God rescued us, and, but it takes attention and it takes uh, work for our relationship with the Lord to not just be maintained, but to grow. And so he's saying, I don't want you guys getting ripped off because I love you. You're like my spiritual children, children. So I want you to have everything that you can have. So verse 35, but someone will say, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? These were some of the questions that he knew were coming. He doesn't even address the first one, how the dead are raised up. It's like, um, how do you even explain? Expect me to explain that one. <laughs> how are the dead raised up? God does it, okay? He, that's how the dead are raised up. It's, you know, there's really no explanation aside from the supernatural. And um, a couple weeks ago, we talked about how an aversion to the supernatural can keep us from looking at facts or, or reason for what it is, like Jay Warner Wallace. Like, all the evidence was stacking up to there being a resurrection from the dead, but my biggest issue was I didn't believe in the supernatural. So it became more logical to believe in the supernatural than to believe in the, uh, all, all, everything, I else knew, everything else I knew I was comfortable with, but knew to not be true. So Paul's like, this is a supernatural thing. But then they also ask, and with what body do they come? Verse 36, foolish one, told you, Paul's harsh. He's hardcore, right? You kind of need Paul in your life, right? Like, you don't like them all the time, but you kind of need them. Someone who could just call you out. And uh, it's, let me say, it's important to not get rid of those people. Because there's like a tendency where you think, I, I don't want to deal with you because you're, you're just so intense sometimes. And I don't want, and, and there's some, I understand that. Maybe you don't have to be them tw- around them 24-7. But you need people like Paul in your life that are willing to say things when no one else is. Foolish one, what you sow is not made alive unless it dies. And what you sow, you do not sow that the body shall, uh, that, uh, sow that body that shall be, but mere grain, perhaps wheat or some other grain. But God gives it, a body as he pleases and to each seed its own body. So Paul uses the, an analogy of seed being sown when he's talking about the resurrection. And we know when a seed is sown, it's, it starts off, you get a pack of seeds and you think, oh, the possibilities, right? When you see a pack of seeds, it's got like these lush looking strawberries and you're like, well, this is going to be easy or watermelon or something. And I remember, you know, as a kid, we'd plant them. And a lot of it did not come to harvest as we had hoped, right? You know, and this was with the help of all the GMO, you know, miracle grow, everything you could possibly throw on it. And it was still difficult to get some of the things to grow like you wanted them to, but they never really looked like the seed that had been planted. And you think the seed in and of itself is is really not that valuable, but the fruit that comes out of it is very valuable. You can buy a pack of seeds. How much is a pack of seeds? It's been a while, okay? Cheap, right? Like, how much? Three or four dollars, okay. Man, you, who's your seed guy? <laughs> Three or four dollars. I'm just kidding. That's probably right, you know? I, he's got a seed guy. Shout me out, he says. I got you, Jed. 
but the, the, it gives it a body as he pleases his seed to his own body. The idea is that our bodies are sown into the earth and then something that comes out of it is so far superior to what goes in. And that's the good news of the resurrection is that what we're sown into the earth and then we come back out. Spurgeon had a really cool quote that I saw when I was reading through some commentaries. Truly, it is never a pleasant sound, that rattle of clay upon a coffin lid. Earth to earth, dust to dust, ashes to ashes. Nor to the farmer, for its own sake, would it be a very pleasant thing to put his grain into a dull, cold earth. Yet, I trow, no farmer ever weeps when, his, when he sows his seed. The idea is that, granted, it's not like it's fun to sow a seed. And, and it's sad to see someone uh, go from this life. And, and we miss them greatly. And I know there's many people in here that have gone through this in this last year. And, and, and I've lost friends this last year. And, and it's, been, it's been a hard thing to, to wrestle with death. But this kind of message brings hope beyond the grave. Which is, by the way, the worst thing that we have to face on this side of eternity. I mean, it's like the grave, right? But when you start recognizing the, the, the grave as a seed being planted and what comes out of it for the believer is something so far superior to the seed. I, I'd heard uh, this pastor speaking on this and he said, you don't, when you plant the seed, you're like, oh no, that seed, I'm going to miss it. And you throw dirt on it. And it's like, it was such a good seed. It, you know, obviously this is different and can even seem insensitive, but because of the superiority of what comes out of it, like, sure, you're, you're throwing money into the ground, but it's money that produces something so much greater than what you sow. And that's us with the resurrection. All flesh is, verse 39, not the same flesh, but there's one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of animals, another of fish, and another of birds, meaning there are differences of flesh. And he's going to make, use this as an analogy uh, for terrestrial, celestial. Verse 40, there are also celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies. Celestial meaning heavenly, terrestrial meaning earth, Right? Of, the, of heaven, of earth, right? So there's two different bodies, but the glory of the celestial is one and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There's one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. For one star differs from another uh, star in glory. God gets glory out of all of it, right? There's something about the sun that is just um, intimidating, Right? We cower in fear, especially me, right, with my white skin. I was at the beach the 4th and the 5th of July, okay? And so it's like zinc, you know, sunscreen under an umbrella with clothes on, you know, and you're like, I'm scared of the sun. I know what you do to me. I've, this, I've experienced this before, you know? And I, so that's not true. It wasn't that big of a deal. But the sun is gnarly, right? Like you look at it and you, you might go blind, okay? That's how gnarly the sun is. Brian Regan talked about the sun stare. You guys ever heard of the comedian? I won at the sun stare, but he was blinding himself. Find a new activity. Don't do that, kids. But the sun is gnarly. And if we're too close to the sun, we burn up. We're too far away from the sun, we freeze to death. You know, my, my son is all into planets and outer space. And whenever I like look at the planets, I always like try to think, which one could I live on? You know, like 
If it wasn't here, I like to think about like a, you know, a plan B. Like if we've got to get out of here, which planet am I going to head out to? And it's really like not a good option anyway around it. You know, like maybe, maybe Mars, if you got a, you know, the right gear, I guess, you know, but there's, it's really not made for human life. And, and there's a delicate balance around our sun. It's really important. Everything that grows from the sun, we need vitamin D from the sun. We get that. It's, it's, it's the ground that there's like a purifying agent of all, you know, you know how much you want the sun when you don't see it for a while. Like those people who live in, in the northern, you know, way north, they don't see the sun some days at all and they go, start going nuts, right? Start going crazy. And then, and then in the summer, it's only sun, right? And then the sun never goes down and, and you're like, I, you know, I could go with a little darkness. I could deal with that. But there's a glory of the sun. There's a glory of the moon. There's something about, say you're up in the mountains and it's a full moon and you just see it and it looks so much bigger than normal, right? And you're like, that is so crazy majestic. And really it's reflecting the glory of the sun. Uh, but it's this, this amazing view in the sky. How crazy it is to look at that stuff, to really think about it. Stars, man, you could go on a whole tangent about stars and how crazy they are. I remember Louis Giglio did a whole video on it. You guys remember? It was like indescribable. And he was talking about how the stars are making these symphonies of sound. And, and our sun is like this tiny little star in comparison to these mega stars that are out there. It's just, it's mind blowing. They all have glory, right? Different kinds of glory. They differ from one another in glory. Same with our bodies, both heavenly and earthly. There is a glory to both of them. Verse 42, so also is the resurrection from the dead. The body is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. We're, uh, when, we, when we're sown into the earth, when we're, we're done on this side of eternity, the corruption is over and we're raised in incorruption, perfection, pure, unhindered relationship between us and God. We're going to be singing praises to him. We're going to be in awe of him. There was, there's moments of that. We get glimpses of it on this side of eternity, but it's still kind of filtered by the world we live in. It's still kind of filtered by the problems we deal with and the fact that on this side of eternity, we can be risen again spiritually. We can be uh, new creations born again in Jesus, but we're never gonna be uncorrupted on this side of eternity. We're just, that's what we're born into. Babies are born and they, they look so perfect and their skin looks so perfect. And, and time is just, just keeps going, doesn't it? It just keeps going. And things change. And the things you did without thinking twice, now you feel it, right? Play basketball without stretching fully, you know? And now you can't walk for three weeks or whatever, you know? Whatever it might be. Life gets, it's, we're, we're in this place of corruption. And that's even why Adam and Eve, they couldn't go back and eat that of the, of the tree that they'd live forever, right? It's like, we don't want to be here forever. This is not where we were made to be forever. We're meant to use this to God's glory, to, to take as many people with us as we can, to tell as many people about Jesus as we can, to see as many lives changed as we can. But the, our, our eternity is where our hope lies. So, so you might be pretty hopeless on this side of eternity. 
Because a lot of times I think the, the Christian thing kind of like paints a picture of come follow Jesus and everything starts lining up. I believe a lot of things do line up. I think God blesses a believer. But on this side of eternity, some of us are just going to have struggles that we have to deal with. We all will one way or another. But some people have rough lives, you know, like that go through one thing after another thing after another thing and your hope lies in eternity. Resurrection where there is no corruption and incorruption. It is sown, verse 43, is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body. There's a spiritual body. So this is the difference. Look at the contrast between the terrestrial body and the celestial body. One is, one is sown in corruption. The other is raised in incorruption. We can see which is better, right? I'm not going to quiz you. I think we got, we got this, right? One is sown in dishonor and then raised in glory. Dishonor, glory. Weakness, raised in power. Natural, raised spiritual. And, and, and that's what we, we will receive is a resurrection body that is not hindered by the things of this world. That is what it was always intended to be ready for heaven. Does that sound good? That sounds exciting, right? So no matter what you're dealing with, no matter what ailment it is, no matter how I can't seem to bend my ankle all the way anymore because I've twisted it one million times, this is not going to be an issue in eternity, right? No matter what, you tore your rotator cuff, you tore this, you did that, all these things, these ailments, these things you've had to struggle through, that will not be a thing in eternity. And the best part is, we'll be raised, it will be spiritual, not natural. We don't have to worry about the things that are just natural. Verse 45, so as it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being and the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. And this is, this is the two Adams, right? Adam, the original man who became, he was flesh and the first representative of man and, and thus plunged us deep into sin, <laughs> sent us right into the flesh, fulfilling the lusts of the flesh, doing all the things of the flesh. And then the second Adam being Jesus, who through Adam, we all just abide in him. That's just how it is. We're born into it. We follow along his same track. Then Jesus comes and makes another way, the second Adam, that could give us life spiritually. Adam was given life physically. Jesus gives us life spiritually, where we're now been awakened and alive in him. Again, good news and the superiority of the resurrection body. Verse 46, however, the spiritual is not first, but the natural and afterward, the spiritual. The first man was of the earth, made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. Again, the superiority of the second, which is Jesus. Uh, Verse 48, as was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. And as is the heavenly man, who also are those who are heavenly. And, uh, and as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit uh, the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. This body is, is plagued with sin, right? We're, we're all just, we are living in sin. We are living in 
things decompose. Things, they don't, they don't last. There is, there is pain, there is death, there is sickness. No matter how smart we get, it seems like we get dumber, right? This is, this is the world we live in. The, our arrogance grows as we become less wise. It's, it's Proverbs, you can read it all over. Those who, who keep, can't stop talking look dumber and dumber. <laughs> you tell me everything you know, and now I know you don't know much, Right? This is, this is the man, this is man, this is the, the physical man, natural man. And this man can't inherit the kingdom of God. That's why we needed the resurrection. That's why this importance of the resurrection. That's why Paul said everything hinges on the resurrection. Everything. Like I, Paul wasn't into like, well, just find a nice little group of friends and Stop saying bad words and you will be good, you know, you know, and, and, uh, and say a blessing before every meal. This is what a Christian looks like. No, that's not what a, a Christian looks like. Someone who's been radically transformed, but never forgets that they were completely consumed by the natural man. I think the, the more you forget who you were, the more, the quick, the easier it is to forget how good God is. Because you start thinking about like, I'm actually doing pretty good. And by the way, I have a lot of references of people who are much worse than me all around me. That's not hard to find, by the way, right? And, and by the way, what if they knew everything about you? They might not think the same way anymore, right? The secret stuff, not just what you say, but what you think. That'd be kind of a bad situation, right? You know, where you just are saying stuff and you're just going off and, you know, Anyway, but it's easy to judge yourself on the curve, but that's not what the point is. The point is that we are dead in our sin, dead in our trespasses, and that death needed to be atoned for, paid for. The good news is it was paid for. Jesus did pay for it. It's done. Like it's all sins, past, present, future, and, and, and bring up the gospel as much as, as possible because if we ever forget this, we become basically legalistic slash cultish where we start thinking we're something when we're nothing. And by the way, God will remind you of how far off you are when he lets you fall back into the thing that you said you'd never do again, Right? What happens when that happens? Oh man, now you're floored. What happens? What do you do? Well, better fake it a little harder, right? Better make it look a little better. Better clean it up, all this or that or whatever. No, the point of the matter is you forgot your first love. Drop to your knees and realize what a good God you have and how merciful he's been and, 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 and lay it out before him and say, God, here, rescue me again. I can't believe I forgot, <laughs> I can't believe I thought I was okay. I can't believe that I thought I had ascended beyond this point. This was a problem in Corinth. They'd started writing their own rules. When you start writing your own rules, you are asserting yourself as God, whether you know it or not. That's scary, right? They started taking the Bible and twisting it to fit their, the way they wanted it to work, or not the Bible, the scriptures, right? They didn't have the whole Bible, but they were twisting it to fit their, what they wanted. That's dangerous. And that's a sign that you 
are putting yourself in the position of Lord, not, Je- not you're not letting Jesus be Lord. Because our response should be, whatever you say. <laughs> what did I get by doing this on my own? What good have I gotten on my own? Both before you're a Christian and, he, and as you're a Christian. What was the fruit of you act, trying to act something some way that you weren't? No, the biggest, best thing you can experience in Christianity is being honest before the Lord and one another and then receiving forgiveness and cleansing and purifying that comes from him. And you feel the weight go away because when we deal with it on our own, the weight doesn't go away. You just hide it a little deeper in the backpack you start putting more in and more in and more in and more in. It's just like, uh, you know, your sock drawer. You're like, man, my, I'm getting holes in my socks. Got to get more socks, right? So you keep on stuffing them in and you're like, I have too many socks. You're like, you got to take out the ones that have holes in them, right? You can't just leave those ones in there. It, and I'm dumb like this. I do that. And so like, I have to pull out five socks that have holes in them before I realize. And then I put them back in there uh, for later. I'll, I'll see you later. This is like my thing I do, you know, every morning I have to do this. And I use them, I'll go use them to clean my bike. The socks, it's not like they go to waste. I mean, they're useful as a bike cleaning. Yeah, I like that, you know. But I, it's so foolish to leave it in there because now it's just like an extra burden and, and it's not what it was supposed to be. Take out all the bad socks and every sock you will pull out will be fruitful. This is throwing away, getting rid of the old stuff and laying it all out openly, honestly before you. I got a lot of holes in my socks. It was more than I thought. I probably need a couple packs, Lord. I didn't know. I had assumed that there were some good socks in the back. They're just dress socks, and I'm never going to use them. Like, there's like three, of, three pairs. When, why do I need three pairs of dress socks? I will use them once a year. I probably just need one, Okay. Sorry, too much information. But it's the idea of like adding on to something like thinking this is going to save you and, and you're carrying more and more of a burden and you're actually living less in the truth than the world is. Because the world says, here's my sin. I don't care. Deal with it. They're living in somewhat more freedom than you are because you're like, yeah, I have the same sin, but I like to hide it better. It's like you are in denial about the whole thing. But this is not you, it's me, it's us. The, the, the life of the Christian says, when you believe in the resurrection from the dead, you say, I am not good in and of myself. The natural man brings corruption. The natural man brings pain and sin and struggle. And yet I am natural and yet I am spiritual both. So the, the natural carnal man must die daily. You got to keep on killing that man and say, Lord, here it is. Take it, use it, work with me. You know me from the beginning to the end. To think we're hiding things from God is hilarious, right? Like Adam and Eve, right? We get the image of that and we laugh and then we think about how we do the same thing, right? Adam and Eve like, oh, shoot, we sinned. Don't tell God. Created everything, but we should probably put on some clothes. What are clothes? I don't know, but we should wear them. Let's get some leaves and start sewing them together and start putting together a little bit of clothing here. Adam, who told you you were naked, by the way? Um, oh, about that. Um, you know that woman you gave me? She caused some problems, you know? It wasn't me. I was just trying to help her out and whatever, and, you know, she just kind of blew it. 
you know that woman that you gave, you know that thing that you gave me? Well, that's why. That would be the obvious reason right there. Her fault, not mine. The woman I said I'd love and cherish, I'm throwing under the bus right now in front of everyone. But the fact of the matter was, is we think we can hide things. We think we can keep things in or whatever. But the, we need to recognize our need for the resurrection, our need for new life in him. And to do that over and over again, to confess and to be honest with one another and to be real before God and man. And what that does is just so good. It, leaves, it keeps us humble. You're like, man, that's going to be humbling to do that. Well, you're supposed to be humble, right? <laughs> It's going to make me feel like uh, I'm not better than anyone else anymore. Well, good, because you're not. You're not better than anyone else. I'm not better than anyone else. You know? That's a lot of problems happen when people start believing pastors are better than people, than the people in the church. And it's not true, right? And so you treat them like that. And, you know, like, it's, it's a problem, Right? Like I, we all have to do the same thing and it's be real before God, be real before one another and and let God, his mercy and his love and his blood cleanse us from sin and make us new in him in resurrection form. We experience that on this side of eternity, but we will really experience it on the other. Verse 46, however, oh, sorry, I already read that part. Verse 51, behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. For in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, uh, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For the corruptible must put on the incorruption and, the mort- and this mortal must put on the immortality. Uh, Paul says, I tell you a mystery. The reason it's a mystery is because it's something they wouldn't have necessarily come up with on their own. He says, we shall not all sleep. This is talking about those who are alive when Jesus comes back, right? The, the, the rapture, those who have been taken up, right? Those uh, who have who've gone to be with him. And, and it's interesting because it seems like he believes it's in his generation. You, you notice anytime anyone talks about when Jesus is coming back, they always talk about it being in their generation. I think that's true th- through all of history. Everyone's like, it's going to be this generation. For sure, you know, by God's grace, it wasn't because we now are like saved and like, you know, it's like all these reasons he should come back and this year and you're like, okay, yeah, cool. But I wasn't saved that year. So thank you, God, that you waited a little bit longer. And you look at the world and and, and all that he's endured, like you're like, all right, he's just going to wipe it out. No, but he endures with it and more people come to him because he's so patient with us. It's the heart of God. But yet, he, he, the, the fact remains, we will, be, we will be changed in a moment in the twinkle of an eye at that last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we'll be changed. We're gonna, the, the corruptible will put on incorruption. It, we will never be mortal anymore. We'll put on immortality. I was thinking about that this morning. I was driving. I stopped by the beach and prayed for a second, and I was thinking about, like, we... The, the idea of forever. And like, there's no bad news on the end, right? Like, when we think about everything here on earth, there's always an end to things, right? Like, this is going to be a great week, you know? But it's going to end, and you're going to have to go back to work. You're going to have to go back to school. 
You're going to have to go. There's an ending to everything. You're like, man, these are the best years of our life. But what happens after those years? You know, oh, man, okay, cool. It's my birthday. But that means I'm older. What happens when my birthday doubles? How old will I be then? I've already lived this long. What do I look like when I'm on that other side of that? You know, start freaking out about these things. That's what we know on this side of eternity. But this is immortality forever. Also, no corruption. Perfect scenario. Us and God. You hear Paul's excitement as he's, as he's writing this. It's coming off his pen. He's just like, ah, you know, getting all pumped up about it. Verse 54, so when this corruptible is put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh man, this is good news, right? And then he says this, oh death, where is your sting? Oh Hades, where is your victory? Death, where's your sting? Hades, hell, where's your victory? What do you think you've done? What do you think you've actually accomplished? We find our hope has been found in him. We're just being sown into the seed. Spurgeon had this quote I thought was really cool on this. Uh, I will not fear thee, death. Why should I? Thou lookest like a dragon, but thy sting is gone. Thy teeth are broken, O old lion. Wherefore should I fear thee? I know thou art no more able to destroy me, but thou art sent as a messenger to conduct me to the golden gate, wherein I shall enter and see my Savior's unveiled face forever. Expiring saints have often uh, said that their last beds have been the best that they have ever slept on. Unquote. Death, where is your sting? Hades, where is your victory? Verse 56, the sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The sting of death is sin. The reason that's why death is so painful is it's, that is the end of sin. It's the last thing conquered, right? Is, is death. That's, that's it. Like at the end of death, that's it. That's sin's best shot at us, and it's, it ushers us into eternity. So the worst that could happen to us in this world is what sends us into the best. Jesus, when he came to conquer, he really conquered, right? He took the very worst thing that we could ever experience on earth, and he made it the thing that ushers us into the presence of, of God, unveiled with his new body, with his new, uh, what does the new body look like? We don't fully know. We know we have some glimpses, right? Moses' face glowing after being with, with God, right? Stephen's face, they said, was glowing. It looked like the face of an angel, right? Jesus transfigured on the mountain, and they're like, what is this? What's going on? And we see Jesus in resurrected form, able to eat, right? Which is great news. I like food, right? I bet you hate foods. I remember the song, there's a big, big house with lots and lots of rooms, big, big table with lots of food and a big yard where we can play football. So there's gotta be food if there's a big table with lots of food and we can eat it. No, just kidding. It's a song and it's not theologically 100% correct. But the, the fact of the matter, and he's, he's eating, they could touch him, but he's also 
walking through walls and appearing and disappearing. It's like a glimpse of the resurrected body. Something so, I feel, I don't know what exactly it's going to look like. I think it's going to be the very best possible, beyond measure, uh, transformation of us, right? Where we can still know each other, but there's something just perfect. Like us before any sin, any mutation, any issues, sickness, illness, whatever, I mean, everything. That's what we see on the other side of eternity. So death, uh, the sting of, of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. The law showed us that we had sinned, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, because Christ fulfilled the law. Verse 58, last verse here. Therefore, we went through a lot. I'm sorry, guys, we were hustling. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Knowing these things, therefore, with all of this in mind, therefore, my beloved brethren. Remember, Paul's not saying like, therefore, you dummies, as I've said before, foolish ones. No, my beloved brethren, those I love, that like I care about so much, be steadfast. Because I love you so much, I'm going to give you the best advice I can give you. Be steadfast. Immovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. That you would be steadfast and immovable in the things of the Lord. That you would not be shaken or moved off of following God's plan for your life and doing what he says. That's my prayer for you. That is a good word for us, isn't it? That we would be steadfast, that we wouldn't take shortcuts, that we wouldn't cut the edges off because it seems inconvenient, but that we would be steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. That means there's stuff to do, to do the things that God's put in front of you, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Well, is there even labor even happening? That's a good question. (laughs) What are you putting in? Is there any skin in the game? One of the best ways to grow in the Lord is to find yourself in a position where you are serving in some way. And no, this is not to try and get people to, you know, because we need, and now we're going to bring up all the leaders for each group that says we need your help. No, this is for you, not for me. I have to serve myself. You have to serve yourself. This is not yourself, but you know, we all need to do it, serve the Lord on our own in a sense. And Clark said this, you must not only work, but you must labor, put forth all of your strength and must work and labor in the Lord under his direction and by his influence for without him, you could do nothing. Paul's saying like, stay steadfast, keep your eyes so fixed on Jesus and work hard at what's put in front of you. This is like the recipe for following the Lord and like being fruitful and and seeing God use you in your life is to keep your eyes on Jesus, not look to the left, not look to the right. Keep your eyes on Jesus and work hard at what's put in front of you. All for his glory, all for his honor, because you know that it's not for no reason. If you're living for this earth, you're not gonna do this because this sounds inconvenient and it sounds like, kind of kind of sounds like a lot of work and I don't know. It's kind of like not as cool to be a Christian as it used to be. And that's hard. That's hard for me, you know? Well, it wasn't very cool to be a Christian back in the day either, by the way. But God used these people to change lives. 
we don't have to be part of the cool club or the easy club or anything like that. But we get, what we do get to be a part of is seeing people's lives changed. Amen. First of which is ours. And as we seek that, how could we go wrong? What could, what could go wrong? Again, like you said last week, the, the quote that I had gotten from the conference. If we're willing, he is able, what could go wrong? If we follow what he says to do, and he says to do it, and he's got the power to do anything, then, I mean, that can't be a bad recipe. That means our life's in his hands, and we're going to see him move in our lives. I know it's been happening, by the way. I've seen really cool stuff in some of you. I'm like just seeing God doing good stuff. Let's keep going. And then as, as, as we go through this together, we encourage one another, Right? That was the thing with Corinth. They all love their gifts, but he's like, no, you need the gifts to edify the body, that build up the whole body, that encourage one another. Not just yourself, but those around you. How can I help you be steadfast? How can I give you advice that would draw you back to the Lord? How can I pray for you? I was, it's interesting. I was, I was praying for someone in the church, and then there was like a, an instant prayer request or a prayer answer. Like when I went to text, say, "Hey, I'm praying for you," and all of a sudden there was like an answer to the prayer immediately before I even said it. I said, "I was literally just going to text you. I was just praying for this in your life," and and I got the response, and I was like, "That's like, I'm encouraged. You're encouraged. We're all encouraged. This is good, you know." And God wants to move. And especially in this day where people say he doesn't move, I think he likes showing off. So we get to be a part of that. So um, also this morning, it's the first Sunday of the month. Kind of a lot going on, like I said. But it's a great time, especially dealing with the resurrection, to come to the communion table. So we're going to have a song where we have an opportunity to each of you take your own uh, opportunity to grab the, the bread and the cup. Bread representing the, the body of Jesus that was pierced and crushed, broken for our sin and, and, and was the sacrifice for us. And then the blood that covers us and, and frees us as that perfect sacrificial lamb for our sins. So maybe that's this morning is an opportunity for you. I don't know. Everybody's all over the place, meaning like, I don't know where you're at with the Lord, where you're at with what's going on in your life, but to take a minute just between you and him and just have some time spent with him. Be like, God, here's where I'm at. My first love, maybe you're like, my first love, I'm there. I'm stoked. God, what do you want next? Or maybe you're like, I kind of forgot about the first love and I've kind of been doing my own thing. And I just, we need to square up and I need to be real before you and honest before you and, and let that blood cover you and then walk off in a different path, the right path, following him to repent, to change your mind about the sin, to change your mind about the self-sufficiency, the pride, the whatever it is. So we're going to have a song and, and uh, Gabby's going to lead us and um, feel free to grab the communion, go back to your, your seat and just spend a little bit of time in the Lord and then we'll close up and, and uh, head, be heading out on the barbecue. We're going to pray for Taylor and Audrey too before we leave because they're heading off to move to the Central Coast, which we love them and we're all going to visit. All of us at once are going to come visit you guys there near San Luis Obispo. But um, let's just take some time and we'll uh, grab the communion and, and spend some time between us and the Lord in, as we worship. God, we thank you so much for your blood that covers us, that frees us, 
that makes us new in you. And you didn't give your life for no reason. You didn't fulfill all those prophecies for no reason. You didn't come from heaven to earth to be ridiculed, mocked, to be um, accused of things you didn't do while living a sinless, perfect life and then to, to die at the hands of those you were saving for no reason. You wouldn't do that. Why would you? And so we just want to acknowledge this morning that we recognize what you did and we are so thankful. We're so grateful. And we want to honor you and what you did by living lives worthy of the gospel. That everything we do would be of you, for you, through you, in you, all of it, Lord, that it would just be um, an outflow of our hearts that are just so full of love for you. We're so thankful, God. We're so grateful. We thank you so much for sending your son to die on the cross, a, a sinner's death, a, a criminal's death. But then that it didn't end there. He was risen again, and so will we. So God, we thank you, God. We take these elements and we remember, we do this in remembrance of you. So God, I pray you bless this time and you'd free captives in this place, that you bring hope to those who are hopeless, that you'd realign us, bring us back to where we need to be with you. We praise you in Jesus' name, amen.